This is a reprise edition of an episode that previously ran. You can find all of the episodes on most of the common podcast apps, or you can go to eriemusichistory.buzzsprout.com. So it's all one word, Erie Music History, and then dot, and then buzzsprout, B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T.com. Thanks to the JPT Foundation for their continual financial support of this podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Please rate and review the podcast on whatever app you use. It does help. Now here's the episode. Hey, welcome to the Erie Music History Podcast. I'm Chip Shell, your host. And today I have my first live interview with Paula Holmes. Paula, welcome. Thank you. Nice I- to be here. Honor. And your maiden name back then was? Grack, G-R-A-C-K. And that's how a lot of people might remember me. That's what I wondered if I should mention yeah. that. Yeah, Paula Grack. Yeah. yeah. And really, we're talking about, did you go to Vincent or where'd you go? Yes, I went to Roosevelt and Vincent. All right. One of those kids, yep. Did, um, were you in music back then or? Do you really want to know the answer? <laughs> I want to know how it all started. <laughs> okay. Well, when I was about 12, my dad was a singer. My okay. dad was a big band singer and he would go from one club in Erie to another. At, this is after the war. What clubs? Music. Oh, Kelby's Club when it was there. Um, GCS. I don't even remember them all, but he used to let me come with him. Oh. And he was, he just sang. That's all he did. And sometimes he would take his music under his arm. Like you see people do in like New Orleans with their, they have their trombone under their arm and they're going to that club and this club and that club. And that's what he did. He just, sang in a floor show mainly. Wow. And so, so you you got to see him do that. Oh and you yeah. Got the I bug? Used to sit on the side and watch dad. And he did a lot of weddings, you know, for pin money. Sure. He was a teacher. Oh. And uh he would bring me with him to the churches. I mean there were Protestant Catholics, you know, it didn't matter. And he would sing his songs during the service. And he taught me a couple. I was about seven. And so I would do like an Ave Maria or something. Didn't know sure. what I was doing. And Pretty soon, they were asking for the little girl. Oh. Can you bring the little girl? And that's, and by the time I was 13, one of my buddies, I don't know if you know Carl Olson and Paul Olson. Uh, I don't, you know? but you, you mentioned all their names because I think a lot of people will listen. Re- okay, yeah. A lot of people will know Carl. Uh, we went to school together. Uh, Mike DeMarco was another one. Um, Jimmy Hetz, whose son plays, I know he plays guitar. Okay. Anyway, um, we, we're sitting in Jimmy Hutz's basement, us 13, and they said, hey, we're starting a band. Would you like, can you sing like this? And they played me, I don't know, some Janis Joplin or something. And I sat there and I said, I don't know. I've never sung like that before. But I'd grown up in my bedroom singing along to the, you know, the Shirelles and, you know, all sure. the girl groups. And before you know it, we had a band. And so this we had is- something... What year is this, do you think? You're 13. Uh, let's see. Oh, I got to do the math. 66, something okay. like that. All I right. Was 13, 14. Um, and I remember after doing that, that we played at a place called Junior Wyco. And you're too young to know about all these gyms, right? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. There was Junior yeah. Wyco for the tough kids uh, who were in senior high school downtown at the Y. Yeah. And ours was at the Glenwood Y. Okay. And it was our first gig. 
they would play records and everybody would slow dance in one room. But we were their first live band, I think. What was and the name? I remember what well, we were called the Titans. Nice. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not feminine at all. No. And uh, I remember doing songs like Hey Joe and Light My Fire and just whatever was there. We did it. And uh, getting my first, I think I made five or 10 bucks. And you're 14 and years old. I was so happy. Yeah. I went home and I said to dad, I said, I know why you do this now, because you're having fun and making money at the same time. So that's how that started. Long that's story. Great. Sorry to make it too late. No, but... that's what we want. Yeah, that's what we want. Oh. So the Titans, what happened to the Titans? Did they break up then? And then. Yeah. And everybody went into different bands, including me, um, you know, went to Vincent. There were a lot of great musicians there, including Scott. Right. Now, I never played with him in high school, but I played with Tom Arndt. Um, Bobby Berger. I don't know if you know Bob Berger. Okay. Yep. Bob and I were in one of the versions of um, Kelly Seller. Right. This is when I was a senior. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, that vintage band. Yeah, they I were have. really good. I mean, they had me singing stuff that was so varied and it was just so enriching to me as hmm. a vocalist with no training to have to hit notes like Ian Gillen and Deep Purple. Uh, and then switched to Julie Driscoll and Brian Auger and the Trinity, which were jazz. So you were know, you so playing? And John Drum was in the band too. I got to mention John. And these John were Drum. all these were all cover bands, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everything. I mean, right. I don't write. My son's band is another story. He doesn't not do original. Okay. He doesn't yeah. do covers unless he wants to make some money doing voiceovers. I didn't Otherwise, know back him. Yeah, I didn't know if back then, like some of the guys were saying, hey, let's write our own originals, but you're going, you're playing Wyco. Where are you playing with Kelly, Kelly Seller, with right? Kelly Seller, you name it. We were playing at homecomings, different schools, um, outdoor stuff, things like that. Because you know, you're still young, like you can't play in bars probably at that point, right? right? Okay. Well, I kind of did when oh. I was on, I was 18 when okay. I started at the Calibri's Club. And I remember whenever, don't tell anybody. But whenever the, um, not the cops so much, but the union guys would come in, I'd have to grab a tambourine or something and play it so that I would technically be a musician, a musician. rather than an underage girl singing on a really? stage. So, yeah. so you, you yeah. didn't have to join the musician's union? I'm a vocalist and that's it. So and that was it. Technically, no, it was my age that I think made the difference. I'm kind of hazy on that one, but I'm pretty sure. The okay. one thing I do remember about that band is we, the Calibri's Club was a big deal with our parents' generation. Okay. Um, people would get dressed up and they would go to Little Italy at the time. And, and the Calibri's Club was the place to be. Right. And then it kind of was dying a death, I guess, for many years. And uh, they decided to revamp it and resurrect it. And the way to do that was to have a great house band. So um, I don't know if I rattle off these names. Paul Yachlin. Yep. Oh, yeah, sure. Away, Absolutely. Me. Right. Yep. Um, he was the head of the band. He'd come back from his gigs you know, in New York City and all over the place as one of the younger brothers. Right. Um, right. He kind of started it. And Nick Nardo. Yeah. Oh, were Nick these guys all older than you? or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, Nick was only a year older than me. Angelo Natale. I sure. don't know if you know who Angie is. Yeah, Angie and Pete, um, right? Yeah, and Peter was in the right. band. 
and um, audiologist Jerry, Mike Goodwin, um, Angela, oh, and Dickie Buckle. Right, Dick Buckle. right. Yeah. So we all kind of converged in this band. Nick dragged me along because he knew I could sing and he was, we kind of dated a little bit and we were friends. And he said, by the hand, literally said, I'm taking you to rehearsal. They need a girl singer. and I want them to hear you. And they almost got someone else. This is the legend. I, I won't name names. Okay. They almost got another girl. Because girl singers back then, I mean, now you see all these women and girls singing. Right. right? But back then, you just didn't see that. So you Either, were a lead singer. You're not talking being a backup singer. You were a lead singer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. like Paul and, and Dickie and those guys, I mean, they all sing too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Paul obviously I does. Mean, I would see, I mean, yeah, we used to take it in turns. I think I probably did the majority of the singing. Okay. And I, or I'd do a duet with Paul. And sometimes he would do leads when he'd do one of his, I used to tease him, Engelbert Humperdinck type songs. <laughs> uh, I would always do harmonies. You know, Angelo has a gorgeous voice. Right. He would sing too. And, um, and, you know, so, we just did different, I think I did the bulk of the singing, really. So when you got dragged to practice, what year is this, do you think? 1971, a month after I graduated from Strong Benson High School. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah. what was your plan right after high school? What were you going to do? Oh, I, I didn't have, my father told me what my plan was. I wanted to go to some hippy dippy school and be an artsy person <laughs> out in Antioch in Ohio or somewhere like that. Right. And dad was an educator and he, he said no, because I had a four-year scholarship to Gannon College with books, tuition, everything paid for. Yeah. All I had to do was keep my nose clean and show up and get a certain average. So, you know, that's what I did. So I stayed in town. Um, but here's a cute story. You can cut any of this out if you want. I'm, I'm keeping it all. I love it. I love it. Uh, um <laughs> Paul, of course, Paul Yachlin, through yep. his travels and everything, knew a lot of pretty famous people in the music sure. business. And I guess, I don't think Eddie Brigatti was there, but the Rascals, formerly the Young Rascals, mm -hmm. with Felix Calvieri and uh, I think Dino Dinelli came. Like, no, there was another drummer. Some of the original guys, some not. But Felix, the founder, was there. They were playing at Edinburgh okay. for a gig. And after that gig... They were coming down to hear us. I guess Paul must have said, oh, for old time's sake, just come see my band at the Calabrese Club in Erie. So they show up, they, they go up on stage and they sit in and they do this amazing set. Hmm. You know, it was like, you think you can play drums? I mean, I thought, you know, everything was going to break. And Nick Nardo looks at his keyboard and says, Felix Calvary, touch these keys. I'm never playing it again. You know how you are. And, um, I didn't know. Uh, I remember that er I think Felix Calvary was into his um, yoga thing at the time, his mm. Hindu neighbor jacket kind of bead thing. You know, that sure. was an era. Um, right. He was kind of into like, I remember the Italian ladies in the kitchen were like, what? No meat? He doesn't want meat? And so um, at, during one of the breaks, Felix came up to me and he said, uh, he started writing on a little slip of paper, his name his phone number, his address, everything. And he said, I want wow. you to come to New York. And I want, every time I speak of this, I want to pull my hair out. I want you to come to New York. I'll produce you. I'll, I'll take you around people, you know. And I guess later on, I found this years later, I found out that he had said 
to a couple of the guys in the band. If I could take her with me tonight, I would. Wow. I would That's take great. her. Yeah. So I show it to my dad. I go, dad, look, look. And he doesn't know who Felix Cavalieri is. And he doesn't care. Because right. I have a scholarship and I'm not leaving town. Are you <laughs> nuts? And see, because he traveled too in bands, he'd say, I don't want you living out of a suitcase. I don't want that kind of life for my daughter. And I was supposed to go to um, the Waldorf Astoria. I had my chance to. And I'm so glad I didn't go, you know. So. Wow. So I threw it away. Not in, I don't know why, or I lost it. And can you imagine nowadays having that yeah. opportunity? Right, you know? right. Wow, that's a, you're always going to remember that one. That's for sure. Yeah, it's my swan. It's like my claim to my 15 minutes of almost fame. There you go. Well, you <laughs> had, you had lots of fame, you know, with the Ruby Port. I mean, uh, you guys were yeah. the house band there at the Calabrese Club. Tell people, because I don't think it's here anymore, right? I mean, they. Oh, no, they it's been, it's been torn down. Right. And where yeah, was it? It was on 16th and Walnut near St. Okay. Paul's Church. Okay. It was right. over there. And it wasn't just a niche place for Italian Americans. It was basically the, like, if you didn't go to the Calvis Club on a Friday night, there was something wrong with you. Gotcha. You know, you just, you just, it was the only place to go. And for and you then guys. After that, we played till sometimes three, four, or five in the morning. That's what I was going to say is how, how often did you play? And then what were the hours that you were playing? We played when we first started, it was summertime and we rehearsed every day, almost nine to five, five days a week before we got our chops together and started playing for real, which was at the end of the summer. And we were pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, we played probably, I think, starting out to open up, we played about four nights a week. At the Calvary Club. Yes. Okay. And then we played on Wednesdays, uh, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sundays. And during holidays, we'd play like on Christmas Eve or, you know, usually we play, you know, the eve of Thanksgiving or something like that. But so, always there. Yes. We were part of the furniture. We had, <laughs> we had uniforms. I My saw those husband, uniforms. Yes. Oh. I've heard of, I, I have the pictures here on my iPad for sure. Yeah. And I, I saw the comment you made about your hot pants. My hot uh, pants match, match the guy's trousers. Exactly. <laughs> Red yeah, satin exactly. and purple corduroy. Yes. And, you know, Bobby Seaman, who was our bass player, yeah. Bob Seaman. Yep. He used to make jokes. He was so funny. The guys back then, the shirts, the collars were like out to your shoulder. Sure. And he said, Paul's talking about us flying to Florida. He said, we're not going to need a plane if we wear these things. <laughs> Whose yeah. idea was it to, to have the costume or the costumes, the outfits? I mean, that was the thing back then, I know. I mean, it was the thing. And Paul was still old school about looking like a band. Sure. You know, back in the day, you have a horn band, you wore uniforms. I was in hippy dippy bands. You know, we just wore whatever we wanted. I looked like, um, you know, Grace Slick or somebody with my like Kelly Seller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And that's what I was used to. So to have to wear, you know, hot pants. Yeah. Just wasn't I was a feminist, you know, you don't you don't do that. But we well, did were, and and I mean, so you had to go out and buy those? I mean, did I mean how did you I, I'm not 
I didn't pay for my stuff, thank God, because I threw it in the trash can eventually. Um, you know, my fashion sense was very, very um, offended by what I had to wear. Gotcha. And yeah. you had to wear. Women and you, are funny about this stuff. They really, you, you know, I think most women care more about that. You know, I don't want you looking at my thighs, you know, kind of thing. Not out you, of modesty, just because, you know, you're humiliated. And you were playing five days a week sometimes. I mean, you were wearing that outfit a lot. Yeah, we were. Well, we had a couple changes. Okay. We had the purple outfit, the red shiny outfit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I wish these black and white pictures were in color then. I'm going to need to see some of them. Oh, they were. It's a shame. They were dazzling. (laughs) (laughs) Now, there's like 10 people in this band at this point, right? Yeah. And it fluctuated a lot, Chip. I mean, Sometimes, eventually, I would say we had a very healthy horn section. Okay. Especially we had a fellow who was originally from Harbor Creek named Mike Goodwin. Yeah. About my age, maybe a little older than I am. And he was fabulous. Flute, um, keyboards, saxophone. He was amazing. Okay. We had people, we had vibes at one point, you know, yep. and um, yep. all kinds of stuff. And we also had a second girl singer, Jeannie Kaminsky. I was going to ask you. you. Know about Jeannie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we became close. Was she in the band when you joined? I mean, you two. No, okay. she joined the band a little bit later on, and it was a nice feel because she did more poppy country stuff. Um, not country, but that that lighter stuff. Okay. And I was doing. Janis Joplin and uh, Grace Slick and, um, you know, any, you know, I think we were doing some soul music and I would do all of that. So you were doing, she would do the lighter stuff. you were doing rock and roll, soul, maybe everything. a little country, everything. That's what I was going to ask. What type of music? It was everything. It we like. were a human jukebox. Oh yeah. yeah. So whatever, I used to be scared. What's going to be in the top 20 this week? Because you can bet if it became, if it stuck around long enough, we'd have to learn it. And we'd have to learn it sounding like people were used to the song sounding. Sure. So, you know, some of it I love and some of it I, you know, you just do what you love and then you have to do what you don't like, but you try to make it your own sure. kind of yeah. thing. You know? Well, I know, I know what it's like to be in a band with three, four guys, I can't imagine trying to schedule a practice all the time uh, for 10 people and learn these new songs. Where did you do that? At the Calabrese Club. Oh, they so you stayed right there. And, okay. uh, we were there and um, it was very convenient because the guys, as you probably can appreciate, were set up. Right. And the right. sound was set up and okay. nothing had to go anywhere. So, that so was... Ru- Ruby Port didn't play many other places than the Calabrese? We went out of town a couple times. We went to Boston, um, Ohio, a few other places, mainly one night stands. Um, We did some outdoor gigs that I can remember uh, for Eerie Days or whatever it was called back then. Um, But mainly we were a club band. We were their band. And and you mentioned Jeannie. Uh, Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about Jeannie? I... Got to know her quite well, and she was a sweetheart, and she had a lovely, controlled alto voice. Where I think I, I don't know what I am. I don't know if I'm soprano mezzo or what, but we kind of complemented each other very well. Yeah. Um, as a person, she was 
a girl from Erie, just like me. And Vincent um, girl from Vincent too. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, she went to a Catholic high school, I think. Um, St. Ben's probably Villa or Ben's or somewhere. Right. And uh, she was the Polish girl and I was the Italian girl. And you know, when you're in Erie and then you (laughs) add the German and the Irish to that, you've got Erie, right? Right. So we, we became quite close. Um, She wore the outfits a lot better than I did because (laughs) she was taller and they they were happy because she would wear the go-go boots that I refused to wear. So there was that, I've but she was lovely and we were very sad when she became, it seemed quite sudden that she became very, very ill. Right. Um, and that was a sad time for all of us and we yeah, never replaced her. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Mm-mm. All right. Cause that was early on. I mean, she was very young. And, yes, um, she was. And she uh, was, it, we were about 20, 20 years old, maybe. She, and uh, Okay. And then, so you don't replace her. So you continue to be the primary singer in the band or pretty how much. Did... Yeah. Okay. And then um, I forget what happened, but eventually um, again, it kind of wore out its welcome as all good things do. And they started, then the age of disco came in and it was more of a, they didn't really have a whole lot of live bands then Okay. in the club. Uh, so I started doing other things. Oh, there was another configuration of Ruby Port called Poe. I remember hmm. being in Poe with Mike Goodwin, again, excellent player. Um, How did you uh, spell it? P-O? P-O-E. Like P-O-E. Edgar Allen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Don't ask me why. I All have right. no idea why. What, Bob what does Ruby, was in that thing. What does Ruby Port mean? Another cute story. We're sitting there during one of those rehearsals at the Cali Club in the early days, and we're sitting at the bar staring out at all the pretty bottles of liquors, you know, <laughs> and we were trying to think of a name for the band. Now, Peter Natale will tell you that it was his idea, but I am going on record that it was <laughs> my idea. All right. We looked at all the different bottles and I said, look, there, I didn't know anything about booze at all. And I said, look, there's something called Ruby Port. What about the Ruby Port band? And everybody said, that's kind of cool. And I said, yeah, what about that? That's how it, that's how it happened. And everybody said, are you Ruby? And I said, no, it's just the name of the band. Now, Peter will take credit for it. And I will go to my grave saying, all right. I'll, I'll I'll have Peter on the uh, podcast for sure. And I'll, I'll get his his side of the story. As long as he knows. (laughs) So, So there was that, that was part of it too. Okay, so you got Ruby Port, you got Poe. Poe lasts a short period of time, I take it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember how long that lasted. Because we're um, into the 70s. Long... We're, we're yeah, in the mid-70s 70s now, right? Um, yes, okay, here's what happened. Um, Angelo goes off to join a band called Ma Brown in mm-hmm. Cleveland, Ohio. And because he was so good. And Bob Tome, I don't know if you know Bob. I, I know of he's him. Already, I know the name, right? Well, he's a good friend of mine. And he was already in this band in Cleveland called Ma Brown. And they were headed for the big time. You know, they had a real manager and a real agent. And um, I started going out with Bob. Not before, I can't remember. Oh, Angelo comes home. This is okay. it. He comes home from Ma Brown from Cleveland. And he comes into the Cali Club because we're still playing there. And he says, he has a big cross hanging off his neck. And I said, what's going on with you? And he said, 
I've had an experience with the Lord and all these things happening. And I looked at him and said, because, you know, I always went to church and he used to make fun of me going to church. He used to send me <laughs> cards at Easter, like glittery cards with pictures of Jesus on them, the baby Jesus that would say, have a holy, you know, Christmas or have a holy Easter. And he would mock me. Yeah. And I said, okay, Angelo, this has gone a step too far. You know, you coming in here with this prize, but it was real. Oh, he really okay. had a genuine, he called it a conversion experience. Bob, same thing. Before you know it, we've got Angelo, Bob, Mike Watson, who's a phenomenal bass player who became a pastor. Okay. Who's retired now in Erie. So he replaced uh, Bob had, Seaman. Um, not in that band. No, this was a whole different band. Oh, that's right. Whole different band. Okay. Yeah, we, gotcha. We, Sorry, I'm not being clear enough. No, 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 that's fine. In my head. It's yeah. one big band. You know? as, as a bass player, I try to keep track of those guys. I know who Bob Seaman is for sure. So, okay, okay good. Yeah. You know who Bob is. Um, we had Mike Watson, phenomenal, really good. Yeah. Um, we had Angelo. It was his band, started it. Um, we had Scott. I think Bob, Bob Tome stayed in Cleveland, I believe. Um, and we had... Uh, Tom Stone, who doesn't live in Erie anymore, but was a phenomenal drummer. Okay. I mean, he was a carpenter by trade. So when he set up his drums, he had a, the whole thing hanging off a rack and a gong and oh, yeah. you know, a big Chinese gong, all this stuff. <laughs> and we we called ourselves Clockwise. Right. Yeah. Because we, and that was all original material. Yeah. And you would call that Christian rock, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. It's a, and Christian rock as a genre was just starting out with Larry Norman. I don't know if you're familiar with mm -hmm. Larry Norman. Yeah. And, you know, guys like Randy Stonehill, it was a burgeoning, well, it turned out to be, you know, it's a business too. Right. You know, right. but that was where we were at. And everybody was um, pretty sold out for the band. I was still going to school. Um, but we kept playing. We kept playing. Okay, so you were playing out in clockwise around town. We were now, touring. Out of the, right. Not around town so no? much, Chip. No, we were mostly Ohio, uh, New York State, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, you know, in that area. We were always out and about. What kind of venues? Um, some churches. Some A lot of churches were getting very cool by then, you know, and getting okay. youth-oriented. So they would have clubs of their own, like there was a club in Fort Wayne called Adam's Apple. And that was a whole, unbeknownst to a lot of secular musicians, um, that was a whole a sort of a circuit yeah. that was national. Right. Um, so I found out later on that my husband, who was in a Christian band right. from England, had already done a lot of the same gigs that we had done. Right, Memphis, right. Um, a lot of places. Yeah, huh. so that was so, a definite circuit. And so clockwise, you guys record an album. Mm -hmm. One or how many? We did one and it was in Cleveland and it was produced by Al Perkins. The album was um, still around today. I think somewhere you can get it. Oh, yeah. And by that yeah. time, I think Bob Tone did some work on it. And then Scott did some work on it. And we had another fellow, Dave Caustic, who's long gone from Erie. Um, so, you know, there was that. We were doing that and we were traveling a lot. And so a whole lot. Uh, how many people are in Clockwise? Five? 
Um, and we had for a while, we had Gail Campbell, who's no right. longer Gail Campbell, but Gail right. um, and me, Angelo, Mike Watson, Tom Stone, and either one or two guitar players, depending on the okay. time. So like seven so, people, yeah. again, a, a bigger band, you know, you're not a power yeah. trio. Yeah, no, yeah. no. So. And, and so you mentioned Gail. So I know that you were yeah. in Jonah too. Yeah, her, Jonah right? was just like the first. She was in, I think we called it Clockwise by the time she was in it. Okay. Um, she joined when Scott did, because that's okay. the time they were, they were a couple. Um, so, gotcha. So that's before Jonah. or That's no? after Jonah. Okay. Jonah after was Jonah. basically just, I think, Tom Stone and, and uh, Mike Watson doing a trio thing for a while. Okay. And then they, they grew. And then and Angela said, hey, Paula, you want to be a Jonah at? And I said, yeah, sure, because I knew him so well. We'd been doing duo things to Angelo and, and myself around oh, okay. town, just little things. And we knew each other's, like you probably do this in your duo, you know that other person's performance and their instincts sure. so well. You get to know where they're going next, either with vocals or with playing, fills, whatever. You know where they're going next with, yeah. with, before they do. And you it's know, a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, back back yeah. then, so we're out of the Calabrese Club. You know, you're traveling oh, yeah, around with with Clockwise, and you're doing mm -hmm. maybe maybe this duo stuff once in a while. Where are you yes. doing? Where in Erie are they having duos at in the, oh, in the yeah, mid seventies? Still mainly churches and stuff. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. Churches. Gotcha. All right. So, although we did a gig um, at um, Mercyhurst College, okay, in this June of nineteen seventy eight. This is the famous gig that I've heard about, right? Should Have we you bring, heard about this? Should we bring Phil in for this conversation? Is this, <laughs> He's is at this, work. Oh. He's at work. But I, I'm sure he the... to talk, talk to you another time about, you know, how, how what a magical night it was. That's no. right. No, no, am I really, thinking no, the same really. thing? Right. So Scott said, you know, make sure you ask her about, and how do I say his band's name? Alwyn Wall? Alwyn Wall. He Alwyn, was the right. leader of the band. Right. And so they right. just named the band after him. Now they had much greater, they they had they had recorded where the Beatles recorded at Abbey Road. Right. Um, they had a string section um that had played on some Beatles albums. They had the same symphony orchestra members from London playing. You know, they they toured with Larry Norman. Uh they'd been around Europe twice. Okay. And they were coming to America and uh, they thought they were coming to be treated the way they were treated in Europe and in the UK. Sure. And ABC records kind of, you know, humility kind of humbled them a little bit. Right. <laughs> so they were doing little gigs here and there. They so were Mercy, Mercy Earth College. Is, yeah. Mercy Earth College is not the giant arena that they were expecting. No, right. it was, um, yeah. it was actually in a 300 seater. Okay. Theater. Um, and I remember hearing them warming up. I didn't want to be there. I had a boyfriend. I wanted to go out for dinner on a Saturday night like a normal girl <laughs> and not do a gig, right? Right, right. And Angelo called me and he said, oh, the um, Christian Beatles are coming to town. And there's another band that was supposed to open for them at Mercyhurst and they can't come. This is at like five o'clock that day. <laughs> sure, yeah. And I said, I'm not doing it. I want to go out. I'm going out. And he said, Oh, come on. He guilted me into it. 
<laughs> so I went and I was not in a very nice mood and it was raining and it was hot and you know Erie gets sure and, and you're supposed uh, to open you're you're going to be the opening we're band? opening for these guys yeah right right and it was only their second gig since they got to the states they, they had just broken in a new guitar player a new bass player and a new drummer okay they had just broken them in they found them in florida three guys came over from england and the other two stayed back and they needed to replace them once they got here they were okay. based in nashville that's where gotcha. they were living um so I wasn't in a good mood. I'm singing and out of the corner of my eye to the right, I see some, some guy with big, huge gag sunglasses and red suspenders. They call them braces. Okay. And he's leaping up and down and waving at me. And I thought, who is that idiot? You know, <laughs> then they went up and played and he played keyboards and he, they were so good, but you know, he still had the braces and glasses on during the gig? No, he took the, okay. the glasses right. off. He was just trying to get your attention and mess you yeah, up. Yeah, I think so. And he um, <laughs> came up to me after the, the whole concert was over. And I was in a very bad mood because my night was ruined, you know. Right. And he said, um, how old are you? I said, I said, I'm 25. And he goes, oh, you're old enough for me. Well, he's two years younger than I am. And then he said, <laughs> which one of the lads in the band are you married to? And I said, none of them. None of them. Why? <laughs> and, you know, so it wasn't like the best start. And we all wound up, you know, after a gig, you go out. Right. And you go somewhere cheap, a diner. So we went to Dudley's. Dominic's. Oh, Dom Dominic's was the yeah. best. We took these guys to a safe place. It was an ice cream place. Yep. And um, we're sitting there talking. And he said, we're doing another album. And we'd love you to sing on it. And so I fell for it. And I gave him my name and my number. The guys in my band were sitting there looking at me like, Paula, behave, behave. Because they were like my big brothers. You know, they were always right. looking out for me, especially when I didn't want them to look out for me. Nobody paid for my meal. My husband-to-be turned to me and said, I'd pay for you, but I need to pay for the lads in the band. And I said, this is not a date. This is, you call this, this is not a date. There's like 10 people sitting around right. and it's not a date. So on my way to the car, his, his band had already gotten into their van and uh, I'm saying goodbye. And I'm going to give him the side hug that you give in church you now. And he grabs me, bends me backward and plants one right on my mouth. Wow. And his band starts like pounding on the side of the van and, you know, yelling stuff. And my guys are inside looking at me like, she's doing it again. She's the fallen woman. She's doing it again. <laughs> so long story short, I did go to Nashville. There was no second album. He tricked me and now we're married. Oh, and that's how it works. Yeah. Pretty well, much. So the band is over at that point, I imagine. Like how much longer did Clockwise last? After oh, that? they carried on without me. They carried on without long, you. Yeah, as long as they could. I can't remember how long for it. I have to ask Ange. Um, but then we had, um, I forget who, I think they got, they didn't get another singer, I don't think. But they kept going for a while. So at this point. And meanwhile, did, I'm getting married. So where, where that at? was did not you, in my plan. Did you go to Nashville to, to live down there then? Is that where he was? No. We, by then, his band, Phil's band, was going back to England. So the band, his band went back to England. We went to England too. 
Got okay. married and two weeks later, wow. crossed the ocean. Yeah. Wow. That was tough. I that bet. was tough on my parents because I'm the only child. Okay. So that, yeah. And my dad was in the war. He was in England during World War II. And he would say things like, England, warm beer, rain, nowhere to sleep. And I said, <laughs> Dad, that was during the war. You know? Yeah. So, um, so while, you, while you're over there, do you still sing and play or? Well, yes. Not immediately. My husband became quite ill with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Hmm. We were probably married about two years or so. And I was expecting, and uh, toward the end of my, my pregnancy, he got real, real sick and we didn't know what was wrong. And hmm. it took probably till our son, our son was about 18 months old before he was diagnosed with cancer, my, my husband. Right. And so that was a chunk, like five years, the first five years or so of our marriage. Were right. spent getting him well again, which we did, but yeah. it was a long, long haul at the time. Sure. And uh, while we were sort of on the end of all that, somebody asked us to play. So the two of us had already been, you know, you mess around at home with the piano and everything. And we did a couple gigs. Uh, and before you know it, we're doing more and more. And we asked another couple to play guitar and bass and sang to join us. Okay. And then we had a, we only used a drum machine. We called the drum machine Dave. This was the 80s. So I was going to say, very 80s. Yeah, right. Yes, very 80s. But we played in pubs. We played in clubs. You know, it was, you know, a great time. What type of stuff? Oh, wow. Again, mostly covers. Mostly covers. We've written a few ourselves, which um, I listen to them now and I think, you know, those are still darn good tunes. They're, sure. you know, a good tune is a good tune, right? Right, right. Um, but man, we didn't do any sacred music, even though we all went to the same church. We we did things like Miracle of Love by the Eurythmics. We did um, a lot of soul music because funnily enough, maybe not so funny, English people love R&B and oh. they love soul. And they love old soul, like the Delphonics and Aretha. And yeah. so we did a lot of that. We did a lot of Shaka Khan. Wow. And, you know, Stevie Wonder, things like that. It was, it was a cool time because we were able to actually give back to the hospital unit that had treated oh. my husband. We did some benefit stuff. And, nice. you know, it, it turned out to be a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. And that was really neat. So we just mm-hmm. kept playing and never really stopped having a band until we came back to the States. And when was that? that was when did 91. you come back? 1991. So back. All right. And why did you come back? We came back because my husband's real business. He always jokes and says, if we had just done music, we wouldn't be in our house now. <laughs> um, <laughs> we came back because he had realized that there was a little product that was not the main product of his business in England. Um, and he was convinced he could take that product. It was an ink pump and turn it into a business on its own. Okay. And then, and because he's an engineer too, which I didn't oh. know when I said I'd marry him. I thought oh. we were going to just have a caravan and have kids and <laughs> traipse around the country and do music. The hippie right? lifestyle, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he said, oh, I think I'd better tell you about the company. And you you married a nerd you didn't even know it my father had always said when i was in gannon he'd say why do you date all these misunderstood poets and these musicians why don't you date somebody from the engineering department and i'd say because they're boring they're boring but you know i eat my words many times over now 
And he always teases me about how if it wasn't for that, we would probably be on the street. <laughs> so did you go right to Florida where you are now? No, we were in Erie from 91 oh. till about 10 years ago. Long story short, yeah. I wasn't there that long before I started singing in bands again because all my old buddies yeah, that I grew every- up with were still in town. Most of them were still in town. Well, I know so, there was a bit of a revival of Ruby Port within I the past decade. I was part of that briefly, briefly. Okay. But before that, I was doing things with Dick Buckle. Sure. I uh, was Joe Salarino on drums. Okay. Sometimes we would get um, some really good horn players. Uh, it was called Crosstown Rhythm and Blues. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I sang with Roy Hollis Jr. And that Roy, was a lot of fun. Well, Roy lives down the street from me, and I plan to have him on the Give podcast soon. Love. So I will. Yeah. He's um, in, in a fantastic a band now. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I was, well, I was in that, I was going to be in that band as one the of the singers gotcha. briefly. And then we were moving to Florida. So that, that didn't happen, but it almost gotcha. happened. Before that, I was with Marty O'Connor. Oh, you yeah. You know Marty O'Connor? Sure, yeah. Dave Another guy. Blades. Dave Blades, um, one of my favorite bass players and people in the world. Yeah, Dave yeah. Blades. And such a sweetheart. Yep. Marty, Dave, Timmy, and, and um, Phil Popotnik. Phil, right, right. So yep. we, we did that. We were at uh, the Bel Air. Uh, we played lots of weddings. Was that just um, Marty and Marty O'Connor and friends? Is that what yeah, he was calling was it? Okay, that. sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I remember going good. there. Yeah, seeing him and Phil and Dave as a trio, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. years and years in the 80s, yes, you know, yes. and uh, we would go out and see them. And uh, I would sit in because Phil knew me, Marty sure. didn't. Um, so I would go up and do like one or two songs with them, but more jazz songs like God Bless the Child. And, you right. know, because by then, I don't know what happens to a lot of us musicians. Once we hit a certain age, we gravitate to jazz. Maybe that's not always true, right? But that's right. what happened to me. Okay. Um, songs that my dad sang, and he'd say, you know, this song is a good song. This "God Bless the Child" song, and you know, "Love Is a Many Splendored Thing." Those are good songs. You should <laughs> sing them. And I'd say, I'm never singing that stuff. And there I was. You know? It all um, comes around. Yeah. And Marty said, you know, you're really good. And Phil said, we should have her in the band. And Marty said. She's too good. She needs her own band. And I said, I'll, I'll sing with you guys. You're good. You're really yeah, good. So, right. you know, so we did that a lot. We played a lot of gigs when I yeah. think about it. And, you know, the one thing, Chip, that I wanted to emphasize is in those days, like I said, there weren't many girls to go around singing right. like there are now. I'm not quite sure why that is. I think it was just something that needed to evolve. Mm-hmm. But all the guys, I can honestly say, every single person, I was ever in a band with treated me with respect. That's great. I mean, I yeah. got a lot of teasing. I'm not going to say I didn't, sure. but just so respectful, like very brotherly, sometimes too much brotherly, right, but right. Um, really, really looked out for me. And I've always had a great love and respect for the people I've worked with. I can't think of anybody that I would say, Ugh, didn't sure. like him. Right. They were all so good to me. Yeah. So. And those are all veteran eerie musicians that have had mm-hmm. you know, tons of success and experience yes, and uh yes. you know sometimes i played with the what i called back then now i'm the old i'm one of the old guys back yeah. then stan stanley b alomzi i don't know if you know stanley no um howard hammy played keyboards 
all these, they're like our grandparents, they could be grandparents now of us or gotcha. our parents, not grandparents, our parents, um, that age. And, you know, they're becoming a dying breed now. Sure. Right. Uh, but right. playing with them, I learned a lot too. I bet. I was playing with, with big bands. I did a couple things with big bands. Um, Jeff Gibbons, people like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff's still and, playing around. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he will. Cause yeah. he's a youngster really, but these other guys were a lot older. And I just remember being scared out of my boots when I first did a gig with a big band, like my dad. And then I thought, you know, have fun with it. You can yeah. do this. Well, I and, mean, you played in a band with 10 people at the beginning. I mean, that's a big yeah, band. You it know? was a little bit different with rock and roll, though, you know, Chip, with the jazz. They have like their, their uh, sheet music spread out like this wide. Gotcha. And I had a music stand, but I don't read. So I just had lyrics in front of me. And that was it. Right. And I was thinking, okay, where are they going with that solo? <laughs> Especially when I was with Marty and Phil and Dave, they would deconstruct a tune. Sure. And do it so brilliantly. Right. And I'd be thinking, come in on the bridge. You know you're going to land on your feet. You know you're <laughs> going to land on your feet. And somehow it all came together. But I remember just being a little bit frightened the first time I worked with a really big band with horns. It was a kick. It was sure. a real kick to do it. I you bet. know, I think that big sound behind me. I love it. You know, so, so did you, did you continue playing once you got to Florida? I mean, did you go from Erie to Florida? Yes. Okay. And, and then... the answer is basically no. Okay. A um, couple of reasons for that. Didn't know anybody. Um, St. Augustine is more, you guys as the duo would do great. Yeah. If you do, especially more folky stuff. In St. Augustine, you're getting more grassroots type stuff, Yep. Um, right. generally speaking. And there's really no venues that I can think of around here where you would have a rock and roll band. Gotcha. I can't yeah. think of one. Whereas in Jacksonville, you get some fantastic bands. Uh, Phil and I have put down some music. I don't know if I sent you anything or not. It's, it's on SoundCloud. It's right. Stuff I we recorded. And that's pretty much about all I've been doing. I mean, I would love to have a band again, just for one night, mine, right. you know, just to get back that feeling of the drum behind you, that bass is going, sure. you got somebody playing like Scott over here and a sax solo <laughs> over there. I just really miss it. I figure that's probably a good place for us to stop. Yes, um, it is. And I'm so sorry. I want to, I want to apologize if I butted in too much. No, 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 no. Too much. Feel nope. free to edit, cut it down, whatever you want to do, because I <laughs> nope. know what I'm like. I think everybody's going to want to hear this. You know, a lot of folks that listen to this are going to remember you. And I appreciate you being on. And I was excited oh, I to get you, to be honest with you. So um, this was, was great. To be asked. I really appreciate it. It's great. Good fun. Great. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Erie Music History Podcast. I want to say thanks to the JPT Foundation. They have been a financial supporter of the podcast since the beginning, and they also will give us a free space to have our monthly music night on the first Tuesday of the month. It always features our great house band, The Fabulous Leftovers, as well as a lot of other local bands and musicians. But it's a lot of fun. First Tuesday of the month, totally free. Any donations go to the Second Harvest Food Bank. It is BYOB. There's a great pizza shop next door, Pasalinquas. Check that out the first Tuesday of the month. Also, make sure that you check out Jack Stevenson's Two Man Happy Hour podcast. Basically tells you where 
people are playing today, um, where and when, and uh, you can check that out at the number two manhappyhour.com. All right, that's all I got for you. Thanks again for listening.